The Trek Files, Season 6, Episode 6, Gene Roddenberry Fan Correspondence, 1975. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Hey, Star Trek fans, all you background fans, you Star Trek historians, you canonistas, I say that lovingly, you know the routine in general. I'm talking to you, Trekophile, spell with an F. We're glad to have you back again for another week. A lighthearted week. Yay. Uh, we're going to dip back into the fan mail. No, not our fan mail. Star Trek's fan mail. Uh, some more with these wonderful, wonderful letters from the 70s. So look, as always, let's get right to it. Take a look at our page on Facebook, The Trek Files. Facebook.com slash The Trek Files. Here's an audio sample, but hey, there's more there on the page, right? Uh, we're going to be talking about all of it, so take a look, take a listen, and I'll be right back with this week's guest. Dear Mr. Roddenberry, this is a special business letter, and I have ideas for the introduction to your Star Trek movie. I'm 11 years old. Please do not think I'm crazy or something. I'm actually very serious. I will send you a tape of a theme that sounds pretty good. I really must stop writing now. For additional info on it, send a SACI self-addressed stamped envelope. Ah, uh, yeah, the days of the SACI. That's like corded phones. Uh, the other day I saw one episode at a time every weekly drops referred to as the Disney Plus model. Uh, not the first 50 years of television model. Hey, listen, these fan letters are not only little gems unto themselves, they're, they are a little window into the times of the 70 and remind you again just how tough those first Star Trek fans had to be to get their passion project, you know, to, to reverse the paradigm, invent something new and get their, their beloved show back on the air when it was against the grain. And they came in all ages, all sizes, all colors, as the mailbag from the 70s shows. And you know what? Who better to dive with me back in again to that fan mail um, is our good friend of the show and good uh, producer of the show, <laughs> John Champion. John, hey. welcome back. Uh, Thank you. I always love diving into these letters. They're so much fun. The, the, uh, fun is the word of the day because every single one of these has, you know, a little bit different angle, a little bit different personality behind it. Mm -hmm. and, and they're all just bound by this like, earnest passion for Star Trek. Uh, it, it, it illustrates that it does not matter how old, how professional or polished, <laughs> because mm -hmm. certainly some of these uh, lack a professional <laughs> polish, uh, but they're great. They're so... Um, they're so passionate about Star Trek, and they want to be a part of it. That, that, and nothing that's the says passion. Theme. Nothing says passion like handwriting in all caps, much less typing yes. in all caps. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Our first letter from uh, eleven-year-old Steve, who uh, he, he's got a theme, and he, <laughs> you know, he, I love that he he takes the time to write the letter, send it, but he 
didn't send the tape. He's like, no, you have to send me the self-addressed stamp envelope for me to send the tape to you. And just as a reminder, and I love the way uh, the mm-hmm. audio sample was, just as a reminder for everybody, we are, we're not kidding here. The self-addressed stamp envelope, that was the currency of, of much of commerce, but that was a currency yes. of fandom. Because fans didn't have, I mean, you know, duplication costs on the Mimeo or the photocopier. Most people couldn't afford, unless you had a mom or a dad that had an office with a Xerox in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was the generic word for photocopier, the brand mm-hmm. word, like Kleenex, you know. Yeah. Um, everybody used SACES. That was actually like currency. You could do anything for a SACES. Send a right. stale, self-addressed stamped envelope for our catalog. The Well Committee, which was, I, I call it the internet with paper and stamps. Right. Um, you know, anything, you could have anything for a SACES. And the idea that he's writing to Roddenberry to pitch his... You know, his theme that he's composed and good on him. Yeah. But he'll send it to the guy he's pitching to if the guy sends him back. And then I wonder, like, had that happened, I'm assuming that it didn't. <laughs> but, kind of a safe bet. Yeah. yeah but, but had that happened, what did this young man have in mind? Like, was he going to record? Is he playing the piano or the guitar? Or is he just humming into a tape recorder <laughs> and sending that off to him? The, the, I just, I have to know. What I, did he have in mind? Well, yeah. he really must stop writing now. He must. He must. Because he has to go uh, register the ASCAP publishing rights. Right. To, well, uh, he's actually songs. very serious. As he you is. Can see. He's quite yeah. serious. He's not. He's what do you think? He's crazy? No. No. He, he says he's right just, there that he's not. Yes. He's just very Steve. And he's. Uh, did you notice this? I just caught this. He's Steve Lacey the first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's very good. I, I love it. Uh, I, it, you know, every one of these, and I, I think this first letter in particular, I, I can picture myself mm-hmm. having concocted the same kind of thing when I was 10 or 11 years old. I, well, you know, well, you know, well, well, I'll save this for the end. But yeah, you mm-hmm. can, I can picture young Steve and and hundreds, if not thousands, more like him. Yep. But but now look at this second one. We have another yeah. another earnest. Um, this is the way people wrote. Hands from Gary. You know, this is yeah. this is the other thing that I will miss in, and we're already talking about this documentary. You know, the Ken yeah. Burns will not be able to uh, pan right. across email. It right. won't have the same you know power as all this handwriting. All these different stationary, you know, people just ripping a page out of a steno book like Gary Elliott here from Illinois. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And and Gary, um, I I, I like this because and we'll see this as a a recurring theme as well. (laughs) Right. So he wants a small role in whatever Star Trek's next iteration will be A, a dream of tens of thousands of Star Trek fans. No question about it. He he is right in the same line of thinking as so many who came before and after him. And honestly, you know, you think about that rec deck scene in Star Trek mm-hmm. motion picture. Yeah. It was fulfilled to, to some extent, right? And this is years before that happened. And again, Absolutely. This is, these yeah. are all 1975. So this is the first flush of Gene writing. It's been announced, as as uh, Gary mentions here, it was all mm-hmm. over the, it was in all the papers. <laughs> right, yeah. Much less TV Guide and all the fan, you know, magazines, all the fanzines picked it up. All the news columns. 
But this is before, or in the, you know, mail is moving slow, but this is before uh, Gene's couple of rejects and before, you know, the it was a long road getting from here to, to there. there. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so, but this is all the first throws of, yes, fandom had been national and active for two or three years. The mainstream media, here's TV Guide, knew enough that they could sell a few copies if they dropped in Star Trek by now. So, you yeah. know, the conventions were happening. People were buying the tech manual. It was a bestseller. All that was starting to gel. But yes, he's the first one to they and these letter writers, they they're savvy enough to get, you know, media and audiences. They don't quite get that concept that if they want to be a walk on or a cameo, there must mm-hmm. be a hundred million out there, other ones that want right. the same thing. But how nice that he gives his personal stats here. He he's smart enough to also say he's six one, he's two oh two, he's twenty one, and sadly, he knows that red hair. I, you know, I, that's kind of a, a heartbreaking line here. This is my only yeah. drawback is that I have red hair. And I just I, I want to think like, Gary, come on. <laughs> First of all, you're probably a nice looking guy. And and second of all, we all know that Star Trek's future is for everybody. It, it kind of, you know, it breaks my heart a little <laughs> bit. Even in 1975, the, the, here, here's somebody looking at himself yep. and thinking, oh, there's not a place for me because of the way I look. And that's, you know, it's, so what? John, it's, it's called yeah. the tyranny of the casting process. And, you it know, is, only it by, is. Yeah. Only by social movements can we change that. But uh, Very true. But he's savvy, that he's savvy. Now, this this third one, and we've put it in the middle because yeah, um, it's, yeah. it's very, it's nicely typed. Yep. Um, it's here from San Carlos, California, so it's a little West Coasty, and it's very, uh, fairly sophisticated. Yes, you know. very thorough. From Amy, who is a graduate student, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and she is... Um, Oh, no, not, not a great. She finished her sophomore year at a local junior college, and now she's moving to California State University, Sacramento, for junior and senior years. And in that break, she was watching Star Trek. She discovered Star Trek mm-hmm. and just dove right in, read David Gerald's book, read uh, Stephen Poe's book, Making of Star Trek. Gosh, that never happened to anyone else. I know. To see, <laughs> right. see one episode and go crazy. Yeah, welcome to the, well, welcome to today, but welcome to the 70s, kids. Yeah, yeah. And Amy decides to write a a little bit of a treatise here on what needs to change with Mm -hmm. Star Trek because she has learned that there are, you know, murmurings about uh, uh, an upcoming revival uh, movie or or TV series. Look how savvy. She's a new fan. Yeah. Um, Over the summer, she's writing in June. She's so savvy now that she knows about Gene's troubles with the suits so yeah, she's oh, yeah. you know writing she's got a warning in there i love that um, she aligns with him on that you oh know, yeah yeah she's just, how, to, yeah. how to bring him under her wing here yeah yeah but uh, and i love how she just says have you read david's book you should just read it i'm not even gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna waste my time repeating yes. what he said um but then look at her look at budding feminist here yeah um yeah. going on to all the things that we've said and she even she's even seen jeans uh the pax ep- uh, pilots she's seen planet earth Yep. She admires the Harper Smythe character here. Um, but she goes, she you know, particularly points out, this could be the script of anybody's current day podcast. <laughs> truly, <laughs> Looking truly. at the original yeah. series. I mean, yeah. she's right there. 
Um, I, I'm kind of I, I'm of two minds about this one. I mean, clearly she is thinking things through. Clearly she right. is opinionated. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like that she shares her opinions. Uh, Susan Sackett in Gene's office wrote back with kind of a perfunctory like, hey, thanks for sharing your ideas. We can mm-hmm. address all of these. But thank you, uh, because, of course, everybody else wrote in with their ideas too. <laughs> um, but but there is something kind of, uh, the reason I'm of two minds about it is, is that, yeah, I feel like once you get your art out into the world, everybody then is entitled to pick it apart, criticize mm-hmm. it, critique it, share their opinions. That's the way it works. The other part of me looks at this and says, um, here's Gene Roddenberry, who has success with Star Trek, but also has sort of this position of being a known producer writer, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so he has a kind of connection, personal connection with his fans that a lot of other producer writers don't have. Um, and it's a bit presumptuous to just go straight to him and think, listen, Gene, here's what you need to do. <laughs> you know, um, and that's, uh, you know, that that hasn't gone away. Um, I, I think there's a fine line between critique and criticism and discussing ideas right. and the way that a lot of fans to this day feel like, well, it's up to me to tell Star Trek how to fix itself. Um, I uh, she, she does have a caveat at the end here where she says, I hope you found my comments helpful. Sure. Or at least yep. interesting. Please accept them in the spirit in which they were made. I could stand to see that line in a few more current day. Oh, oh 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I do love the little handwritten P.S. When is your birthday? <laughs> because yeah. which, which Susan does reply to. Of, yes. Of, you know, the, the other thing yes. that's interesting here is, yes, yeah, she has her long philosophical uh, treatise here on feminism. Mm-hmm. Uh, she even has a, a bit here about uh, 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 she she speaks up for with with reality eyes for 1975 she speaks up for gay characters yeah. talking about it being a lifestyle but there's you go um but of the things that that susan was struck by and sent on to gene one was the hitchcock type cameo yes you know yes i, I love and, how that got a got an underline and a yeah. uh, gene alfred does it yeah alfred Hitchcock. yeah and yeah. and the metric system which actually star trek pretty much went to from that point on yes yeah, yeah. Or just giving the Klingons their own metric system, Kelly cams. You know? uh, right, yeah. So it's really, it, it's solid. Like, like these are good, well-thought-out critiques. Um, and, and clearly, Amy cares deeply about this mm-hmm. stuff. And I, and I can just imagine, though, that as Star Trek became more popular, particularly in that syndication sweet spot in the early 70s and with the, the growth of fan interest, there were probably a lot of letters like this that again take the position of Star Trek has changed my life it's wonderful now let me tell you how to change it (laughs) here's what it needs yeah and you know part of that again and we've got a couple more letters to go here but Mm -hmm. part of that again is how much America changed you know what the 60s did to America and Star Trek was there in the and even the sweep of what when Gene first envisioned Star Trek in 64 Mm -hmm. after having cooperated on the lieutenant with the Marine Corps officially Right. Where the world went from 64, pre-Vietnam, pre-civil rights uprisings, you know, uh, the feminist movement, the ecology movement. By the time the show was canceled in 69, there'd been a sea change. Plus, we'd landed on the moon. Yeah. So yeah. there was such a... And the repercussions were falling all through 
the Vietnam years and then Watergate and the country changed so much so that people in the 70s were still completely grabbing onto Star Trek. First time viewers like Amy, it was still a revolution, even though, you know, uh, all the family brought us the first time a toilet flushed on yeah. TV, much well, less and, and a lot of it, you know. Yeah, and there's a bit of activist culture here, you know. Yes, a, a, yes. As the world gets smaller, it's like, okay, somebody writing a fan letter to Walt Disney in the 1930s uh, <laughs> is, you know, it feels very far removed from, mm-hmm. say, okay, this flood of, uh, uh, of interaction when you get into the 60s and 70s where... Okay, now now people are writing to producers and writers and probably hearing back quite a bit more and taking a bit of ownership in this. I mean, that that yeah. is uh, and has been Star Trek's uh, uh, real kind of crowning achievement is this sense of ownership and participation that fans have in that franchise as opposed to fans in a lot of other franchises. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. and you see it. And number six, mm-hmm. even she even has a nascent crowdfunding idea here for him. I do love that. I yeah yeah. It, it's she's kind of, got all the bases covered. Here. Yeah she's got, yeah. That, she's that, got her philosophical commentary. And hey, Gene, here's a money making idea for you. you know? Yeah, that, that's kind of adorable. It's like okay, well, here's a dollar or two. You, <laughs> by you selling, and Dorothy. Yeah, yeah. By selling scripts, uh, which hey, look, I mean, certainly Gene was selling all kinds of stuff through Lincoln at the time, but uh, not not quite enough to float a TV pilot. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let, let's move yeah. on to David here in our next letter because and another quintessential. Yes, yeah, yeah. and and I yeah. so relate to David as I relate to the people behind all of these letters because first of all he's a collector, uh-huh. so totally get that. Second of all, he really wants a phaser or communicator, <laughs> etc., very badly, but. But his biggest wish, of he course. really wants to be in a movie just walking down a corridor or sitting on the bridge. He's mm-hmm. not being demanding. He just, you know, just put him in there. Just put him in there. But then he follows up with, I will pay oh. anything. For <laughs> By the way, in case because, you've forgotten yes. already, I'm really I my so, biggest wish. Yeah. But I would pay anything. Yeah. I so get it because as a fan, you know, even as a kid, as a fan in the 70s and 80s, there weren't a lot of great choices. Like, yeah, you could go no. buy the AMT model of the Enterprise or the Klingon mm-hmm. Bird of Prey, and if you had some skill, you could make it look good. But there, you know, uh, unless you were going to a prop maker who was making something way out of reach uh, for an 11-year-old, right? then you probably, yeah, you were probably out of luck. There just wasn't an appreciation of the market, and it was would have been a high-end. And, you know, sadly, right. before... Things evolved to the point where we even got, say, the Playmates props. And now yeah. we've got so many good high-end replicas yeah. that are really moderately priced and they're amazing. We've got 3D printing. We've got people. Oh, yeah. do. But back in the day, I hate to say it, there were a lot of prop makers who took advantage of fans and would charge three or 400 bucks on mail order for right. a kit. And a lot of them famously, oh, disappeared and you never heard from them. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, <laughs> you know, but this, but his biggest wish here, look, we laugh about this. We think this is yeah. so quaint and cute. What have we done for the last 10, 15 years? We've had fan films yep. where people, you know, put themselves on the bridge in different, you know, capacities. Yeah. Well, we had we had fan zines where people at first put themselves into stories if they couldn't be visual. But then the fan film movement comes along. 
and then we've we've got things like the attractions now, even licensed ones like the Star Trek tours up in New York, where you can literally go see. Yeah, we've had the tour shows where the bridges and other sets have been have been on tour around the country yeah. and across Europe. So you know, we laugh at we we smile here at David's. Um, big desire here his biggest wish but look people thousands have been living out that wish themselves oh yeah you know, yeah in, uh, in different ways of getting at that same impulse the more things change yes the yes more they but can you safe. get me some for, can you get some for me just yeah, yeah, please. pick them off the phaser tree yeah. again as if nobody else has ever written in with this right, uh, right. question before and then that brings us finally to Donna Ray at the uh-huh. uh, end here wrapping things up with with another theme that we have seen before mm-hmm. um, and I, I I love again the sincerity of this yes. is Great. Uh, she is 14 years old and she 14 wants to... and typing. And typing, yes. 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 It's actually a very professional-looking letter here, uh, mm-hmm. but pitching her idea for a TV show to Gene, what the next version of Star Trek will be. Okay, uh, Spock <laughs> is no longer in the picture, but in his place, you've got a young girl who is Vulcan, mm. and then in parentheses, myself, Self. <laughs> who is Spock's <laughs> younger sister, and... Um, a, a child prodigy and uh, unemotional, uh, but instead of black hair, she's got light brown hair. I, I how about that? Yeah, I possibly think that maybe Donna <laughs> Ray has uh, light brown hair. You think? You think? Uh, yeah, and uh, she's the only child on the ship. Uh, but she, even for a Vulcan, she is a genius. And a prodigy. And by the way, I don't have an agent, uh, but get back to me. Here's a drawing. I don't have photos. I have no headshots, but here's a drawing of me. Right, yes. Uh, And get back to me. You know, and And here's my address. I I love this. I'm just waiting for the character's name to be Tadonna Ray. Yeah, I know, right? apostrophe. uh, Yeah, (laughs) add an apostrophe and then it becomes very Star Trek. Don Teray or something. I don't. Yes, yes. Um... Yeah, and of course we know that you know that this is the the seed of so much fan fiction. Uh, of course, you know. Oh, actually, that, excuse me. This should have been to Mary Sue. To, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> T hyphen. Yeah, that's yeah. That, that's where that comes from. Yeah, uh, that is exactly where that comes from. She in a few more years, she'd just be writing that story with her as the young Buck inside. So oh, a hundred percent. Did. But at least she's yeah. she's uh, you know, she's so sincere and earnest here that she makes sure to not only give her address and her phone number, yep. but her office hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Call, call after eight. Yeah. yeah. After eight, please. Don't yeah. It's Jean. a phone. No, no casting couch involved. Yes, it's yes, it's yes. safe. Yeah. Uh, I love uh, it. No, I love, I it. love this. I love this. Look, look, you know, we tend to think of these as kids letters. Mm-hmm. But again, we've got a we've got a college student here. But it is the range. I love how uh, there's many. Look, we've got as many uh, young women and girls writing mm-hmm. as boys. The yep. girls are all typing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> By the way, but again, it's some. Um, it's Mr. Roddenberry. It's Dear Sir. But several yeah. of them are just Gene, which is all. It's 75, and people all, as you said, have that ownership and that. Hey, buddy, we're all. You know, we all know you. So here you go. And, I love uh, it. You can you can help me out. You can He's help me out with the phaser. Pure gold. <laughs> A cameo. John, I love jumping into the mailbag. This is so much fun. Um, Wow. Thanks for jumping on and uh, rifling through Gene's files in his mailbag with us again. It's such a pleasure. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Now, all of our documents and your chance to comment are available on our page at facebook.com 
slash the Trek files. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Yes, that's me at LarryNemichek.com. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.